0: Uh, If you guys will remain standing for just a minute. Uh, We have some family business to attend to. Our pastor, Anthony, is sick right now. Um, And it's not just a passing sickness. It's something that's been bothering him for a long time. So if you guys will reach your hands forward, we'll pretend he's here. and We're laying hands on him, but he is at home. And we're just going to pray for his healing. God, we ask that you would be here um, with us as we worship you, God, but also in Anthony's home. We pray that you would touch his body. Way that doctors can't imagine, in a way that's going to heal him like nothing ever happened. God, we pray that you would strengthen his body daily. We pray that this week things would change for him. In your name, amen. Thanks, guys. You can all have a seat. Welcome to Free Church. This is like a fancy stand. This is like the bulkiest stand ever, but I like it. Um, I was telling uh, our worship team, I've preached with this laptop before at my school that I work at um, on just a regular stand, and my computer has literally fallen off twice while I'm doing that. So this one, bulky, go for it. Um, I have a couple of announcements for us. Number one, it's actually just one announcement, if we're being honest here. Um, We have been doing this 11 o'clock service only for the whole month of January, but come February, we are launching our second service here. It's going to be at 9 o'clock. So if you are feeling a little crowded next to your neighbor, because we are pretty full in here, uh, consider coming to the 9 o'clock service. We are only going to have children's ministry going on at the 11 o'clock service, maybe nursery. What's that say? I can't read. Nursery. Nursery at the 9 a.m., but at 11 o'clock, your other kids can come. So if you have a family that's coming, come to the 11. If you don't have a family, um, consider coming to the 9 so that we can get more space in here. Uh, This time of just an 11 o'clock service has been really great for our church. We feel like we are growing. We feel like we have momentum, and that's exactly what we are looking for. To celebrate the launching of the 9 o'clock service, we are going to be serving breakfast beforehand at 9 o'clock, so you can be here at like 8.30 and get some breakfast, and then after the 11 o'clock, we're going to serve lunch to you. So, come hungry, leave happy. Who's saying is that? I don't know. It's from a thing. You know what I'm talking about. (laughs) Uh, Today, I have the great opportunity to continue this service, um, this series that we're in, talking about the church in general. If you remember... uh, Two weeks ago, Anthony spoke, and he talked about how the church, here is the church, right? Here is the steeple. He did this hand signal, and then you open it up, and here is the people, right? It's very silly, and it's hard to do with a microphone in your hand. But then he talked about how that is not actually correct, how the church is the people inside. But there's no fun hand gesture to go along with that, right? You can't say, here is the church, here are the people, open us up. And see all our organs. <laughs> it's just not as fun to teach little kids that. Um, I guess more appropriate would be like, open us up and see the Spirit of the Lord, but can't see that, right? Also doesn't rhyme. <laughs> Sorry, I'm getting my jitters out by making dumb jokes. Uh, we talked about how the word church comes from the Greek uh, word ekklesia. It's a word that was around a long time before Jesus' followers started meeting in buildings with steeples. Um, it was a long, a long time that talked about uh, a gathering of people that had authority. And these people would be a council of sorts who would gather and be of one mind in the way of politics at the time. People would gather and say that Caesar is Lord, and they would be an ecclesia. They would say, Caesar is our leader, and they would work to carry out Caesar's bidding, and they would advance the kingdom of Caesar. But Jesus, in Matthew 16, said that his ecclesia would be built on the principle that Jesus is Lord, and he is the son of the living God, and the gates of hell would not stand against it, that we are on mission, like Caesar's ecclesia, to to move forward with God's will. That's us. That's the church. The ecclesia that is here is built around the fact that Jesus is the son of the living God, and we are not a building, but we are a council with authority who will advance and attack the gates of hell. And then if you were with us last week, uh, Ladina spoke about the early church, right? We read through Acts, parts of Acts 2, um, The church in the first century met regularly, they shared everything that they had, they took care of each other, they loved one another, they met regularly in a temple to worship and then at each other's homes to break bread, to pray for each other, and to remember daily what Christ had done for them. She encouraged us, and I would like to reinstate that encouragement, to join a small group, To meet in each other's houses, to take care of each other, and to break bread often with each other, always remembering what Christ has done for you. The church, the ecclesia, must stay connected. We cannot do this if we only see each other on Sundays. (laughs) And for some of you, not even every Sunday, right? Once a month, once every other month. It's soccer season, right? It's not soccer season. It's basketball season. Um, so get a small group. If you're at the age 18 to 20-something, come to my house Tuesday night, 6 o'clock. 6 o'clock, right? For some reason, they all show up at 6.30 because they're young adults and don't really care. Uh, but we start at 6. <laughs> so... <laughs> If you want more information, come talk to me afterward. I'd be happy to have you. We have a group of about anywhere from 10 to 20, depending on how many are there. We are crammed into my very small living room. I have to shift everything around in my entire house to accommodate you, and we do it lovingly. Um, We are not feeding you because we're broke, but you are allowed to bring food. And if you want to share with people, you can, or just bring your own sack lunch. That's kind of what we've been doing. Uh, We will pray together. We'll laugh together. We'll talk about Star Wars together. I will destroy Zion in a debate about which Star Wars is the best. Right, Zion? Where is he? Yeah, tent. 10. And then most importantly, we're going to read God's word together, and we're going to study it. And right now we're in the book of James. So if you are going to want to come and this is your first time, read through chapter 1, read through chapter 2. You'll be caught up. Uh, If we really are this ecclesia, that Jesus talked about then we need to be one in spirit and in truth the early church got it right they joined small groups and if you need help finding one and you're not age 18 to 20 something uh, you can find Rick Herman after this service and he will direct you to the small group that fits you uh, Rick is the other good-looking bald guy <laughs> not wearing a hat sorry Spencer <laughs> <laughs> He's proud of his baldness. When are you going to get on board, Spence? Uh, Today, I will be speaking on meeting on Sundays, what we're doing right now. Uh, My topic is actually called corporate worship, but I feel like the word corporate puts a funny view on things, right? In America, when you think uh, corporate, you might think of a corporation. You think of businesses, you think of money. You think of CEOs and stocks, or at least I do. Think of McDonald's. If you're around in the 90s, you think of Enron and how much bad they did. You think of IBM. You think of Amazon. These large companies that make it their very mission to drain every single drop of money out of you they can. So you can see why I don't want to talk about corporate here at church. Because a lot of Americans' view of church is that we're trying to squeeze money out of you. And that's not the case. Uh, like I said, our our goal is to advance the kingdom of heaven. Our goal is to attack the gates of hell, and we do that by meeting here on Sundays. What I mean when I talk about corporate worship is this: a large gathering of Christians who come together as one. We cooperate in worship. It's what we're doing now. We come together. And we sing praises to God for all the good things that he has done in our lives and here on earth. We take part in communion together and we remember how Christ died for our sins and he saved us from sin, death, and hell. We do this as more than just a gathering of people. We do this as a body. We do this as branches connected to the vine. People were made to worship. Did you guys know that? Every person on this planet worships in almost everything they do. Most people worship themselves. Uh, some people worship their TVs, their jobs, their money. Some people worship their families, their kids, their spouses. And I'm not saying that you daily sing praises to these people or these things. Right? You're not getting on your hands and knees and being like, oh, my wife, I love you so much. Sometimes that's good, I guess. <laughs> Kara wishes I would more, you know. we all been there. Um, but we spend our lives being devoted to one thing and then to the next thing and then to the next thing, trying to fill this hole that is in our hearts. Right, there was that song, there's a God-shaped hole in all of us. Was that the 90s? Probably. Um, We're looking for fulfillment that will never come from these things, and that's worship. When you elevate one thing over another and are devoted to it. Do you do that to your job? Do you feel like you're sacrificing everything? Do you feel like you're sacrificing your body, your life, to just get that extra dollar? Do you feel like you do this with your phone? Are you sacrificing an abundance of life to maybe play that one more level of Candy Crush, <laughs> right? Or what we do at my house, we just sit on, the phone, uh, sit on the couch and, like, stare at our screens for hours on end, looking at Reels and Snapchats and TikToks, whatever. It's a waste of life. And it's worship to something that does not deserve your worship because you are devoted to it. It's good to have distractions. I understand that. Like I said, I do it. But worship is sacrifice. Giving up one thing, putting something else first, to give that something a place of adoration and reverence and set everything else aside for it. We come together here once a week uh, to give God a place of reverence. And we adore Him. It's worship and it's corporate. Because we do it as one voice. We do it as one body, and it is good. Uh, let's look at the Old Testament together to get a picture of this long tradition of coming together and singing as one voice. This is going to be uh, Exodus chapter 15, 1 through 18. This is a little long, uh, and I'm not going to sing it. You're welcome. Chapter 15, this is called the Song of Moses. It's very small because it's very long. Uh, Then Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord. Now, they had just escaped Egypt. They had just gone through the Red Sea. Uh, The army that was chasing them was just destroyed by nothing more than God's will. Right? He used a little bit of water to do it, but it was him through and through. And his chosen officers were sunk in the Red Sea. The floods covered them. They went down into the depths like a stone. Your right hand, O Lord, glorious in power, your right hand, O Lord, shatters the enemy. In the greatness of your majesty, you overthrow your adversaries. You send out your fury. It consumes them like stubble. At the blast of your nostrils, first of all, that's funny, right? It's like he snot rocketed at them. At the blast of your nostrils, your, wi- your waters piled up. The floods stood up in a heap. The deeps congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy said, I will pursue you, I will overtake. I will divide the spoil, my desire shall have its fill of them. I will draw my sword, and my hand shall destroy them. But you blew with your wind. The sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. Who is like you, O oh Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders? You stretched out your right hand, the earth swallowed them. You have led, your steadfast, led in your steadfast love the people whom you have redeemed. You have guided them by your strength and your holy abode. The peoples have heard, they tremble. Pangs have seized the inhabitants of Philistia. The chiefs of Edom are dismayed. Trembling seizes the leaders of Moab. All the inhabitants of Canaan have melted away. Terror and dread fall upon them because of the greatness of your arm. They are still as a stone till your people, O Lord, pass by. Till the people pass by whom you have purchased. You will bring them in. You will plant them on your own mountain. The place, O Lord, which you have made for your abode. The sanctuary, O Lord, which your hands have established. The Lord will reign forever and ever. Moses leads the entire congregation of Israel in this song. Right? They're singing it. They're singing the good deeds of the Lord who rescued him, them. And he does it several times. Uh, In the Old Testament, in the book of Exodus, they decree seven feasts during the wilderness. Times when the entire group, about six million people, would come together and they would eat together, they would sing praises together, they would sacrifice together, they would remember what God did for them. The entire book of Psalms is dedicated to these kind of songs for the Lord. Psalm 27.4 says this, One thing I have asked of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. The writer of this is declaring God's majesty and the wonderfulness of gathering with faithful believers. He longs to be in the presence of God, to hear the word of, read aloud, to sing songs to his glory. And as creatures who were created for worship, as humans, this should be our heart, right? We should long to be in the presence of God. We should long to be here on Sunday singing with each other, off key and on key. Doesn't matter because we are singing the good deeds of the Lord. But when was the last time you longed to be in church? Is it the one thing you seek, like this psalmist was saying? Psalm 34, 1 through 3 says this. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. The soul makes its boast to the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. This song encourages all, encourages us all to be of one voice, right? This was way before the ecclesia of Jesus came around. This was corporate worship of God. Be of one voice, magnify and exalt the name of God, and do it together. Too often, I find myself thinking uh, as an isolationist, right? I think our society trains us to be this way. you got to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. you got to do this. you got to work hard. you got to um, put some elbow grease on it, right? It's not a we have to do this. It's a you have to do this, and you have to do this by yourself. I don't need to go to church because I listen to worship music in my car. I don't need to go to church because my faith is strong. And I don't really like the people there. I don't need to go to church because I have the YouVersion app, right? Bible right on my phone. I even read the daily verse. I sometimes even post it on Facebook. I don't need to be in church. But guys, like Anthony was talking about, the church isn't a building. We are one body. And we are meant to meet regularly. We're meant to take care of each other. And we're meant to gather and break bread. We're, worsh- we're meant to worship his name together, not just in your own lives. Did you know that in America, uh, young adults who grew up attending church, right, they would say that they went to church at least twice a month in high school, by the time they get into college, by the time they reach ages 18 to 20, that's two short years out of high school, two thirds of them stop attending church. It's a staggering amount of people who disconnect from the body. Some of them feel like it was never really their faith, like they were just going because their parents. Um, but a majority of them were honestly like me. They had a true faith in high school. They were saved, but then they moved out of town and they went to college. They were no longer in the nest of their home. They were no longer connected to a local church. I, find my, I found myself a 1,000 miles away from my home church when I turned 18. I was lost. I was in L.A. with no car. I had one friend. I had no idea where to even look for a church body to join, right? How many churches are in L.A., do you think? There's got to be a lot. There's got to be a million churches there. But where do I go? How do I get there? How do I find the one that I like? How do I find the one that's going to care about me? It was too big of a task for me to even comprehend because I was swimming, at college, right? I had a job that was to swim for five hours a day. I had to maintain a 3.5 GPA or better, and I was taking 15 credits at the time, right? I had a fledgling love life that I was trying to get to grow and to grow. Um, I was trying to feed myself. I had to find a part-time job. There was no time to search for one of the millions of churches in L.A., But I had strong faith. I had the U-Version app. <laughs> I didn't have a car, but if I did, I probably would have listened to some church music. Um, I found myself not remembering what God had done for me. Instead, I started to remember the things that I had done for myself. I started to remember all the hours I had put into my sport and how I had elevated myself uh, to being the best swimmer on the team, the best water polo player on the team, right? I started realizing that I was getting through college because of my smarts and I was doing good at school. I started realizing that girls found me attractive because of how I was acting, right? It was all me-centered and it was worship of myself. By the time I was in my third year of college, I remember waking up hungover, and I was feeling like I had a gaping hole not only in my head, but in my soul. My life was like the book of Ecclesiastes where it says, meaningless, meaningless, everything is meaningless. I remember talking to my brother on the phone telling him that I felt like my life was like a hot air balloon that was meant to be filled with something so that I could elevate, right, so that I could fly over. But I didn't have any way to get air into the balloon. I remember shoveling things, my own deeds, into this balloon, hoping that it somehow would float, but what it ended up doing was turning the balloon upside down, and it became a sack, and it became a sack filled with crap, right? Everything that I was doing was keeping me from going up. Now, instead of floating like I wanted to, filled with the Spirit, my balloon weighed me down. There are millions of college-age students that are going through the same thing. What saved me was when the local body of Christ reached out to me. I had a lady named Barb um, who let me come to her house and do laundry. Right. She was one of the moms on my team, and she saw that we were struggling. We didn't have a car, me and my best friend. We were literally riding our bikes everywhere. And she was like, hey, how much do you guys spend on laundry a week? And we're like, I don't know, 20 bucks, something like that, because we have a coin-operated machine at our apartment. She's like, well, it's free at my house. Come on over. So we went over every Friday night. We'd do laundry there, and she would feed us. And we would play rock band with her son, who was our age. It was a time of my life where she brought me into her house. She brought me into the one body again. And I felt like I really had a home, even though I was a 1,000 miles away from where I was born, where my real family was. And then, after a while, she took me to church. And I remember being in probably the third row. It was super dark. It was a very small church. Um, with really good music, but I remember just weeping and weeping and weeping. Because I was finally able to see what God had really done for me, right? I was able to come together in corporate worship to cooperate with everyone else in the room and sing praises to God. And it struck me. Coming together in corporate worship is powerful, and if we are the body of Christ, then we need to be connected to the rest of the body. When I was by myself, I felt like I was a little finger that had been cut away, right? And, you know, maybe like the Adams family, I was trying to creep along by myself, (laughs) but there was no blood flow. There was nothing to help me grow. There was nothing to keep me healthy. I started turning gangrene. I was rotting away, lifeless. But once I connected to the whole again, I began to thrive. Let's look at this example that Ladina covered last week in Acts 2, talking about the first century church. This is talking about the original ecclesia that met together. This is two forty-two through 47. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together, and they had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, day by day, not once a month, they attended temple together, and they broke bread in their homes. They received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people, not just the Christians. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. What a beautiful picture. The Lord added to their number daily because they were doing what was right in his eyes. They were attacking the gates of hell. Not with spears, not with marching, but by devoting themselves to the teaching of the word. By distributing funds to people in need. By attending temple regularly, where they would have sang praise to God, where they would have read the word of God aloud. And then they met in their homes and they shared meals together. And they always remembered what Christ had done for them. Anthony has said this, but God's number one plan to reach the world with the good news of Christ is through the church. Right? He's not going to write it in the sky. He put us here so that we could be the body, so that we could go forth, so that we could do the things the first century church was doing, and he will add to our numbers daily. Yeah. That's right. You must get plugged in. You cannot be a Christian by yourself. I hate to tell you that. Um. And if it's not at this local body, we are actually okay with that, right? We have a mission statement, not a mission statement, it's a DNA statement here that we are for anybody, but we are not for everybody. We know that. You might not like the music. You might not like the preaching, right? You might not like the wood ceiling. I don't know what it is. The parking lot's a little hard to find. Is that it? But if this isn't the place for you, let us help you find it. Because we believe the church, the ecclesia, is not just this small body of Christians. We believe that we are global. And you must get plugged in. And there are plenty of good churches here in Salem, in Staten, in Albany that you can find and you can get plugged in. And we know the names of pastors. We know the names of elders. We can get you plugged in. That's how important it is. right? We are not a corporate, a corporation trying to get your money like Amazon. We are corporate worshipers who want you to thrive because that's how we attack the gates of hell. Hebrews ten twenty four through 25 says this. And let us consider how to stir one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. I'm going to have the band come up. How can we stir one another to good works if we don't meet together? Right. I'm trying to drive this point home. Meet together, meet together, meet together. But the Bible says it clearly here. Stir one another up Don't neglect to come to church, meet regularly, sing praises to God, encourage one another, feed one another, supply for each other's needs. And that's what we want to do here at Free Church. Let's meditate on this verse, and let's consider how to stir each other to do good works. It's something we need to consider because I don't know about you, but I have a hard time being stirred from the couch on some days, right? My wife and I are watching House right now. We're in season three. And it's got our attention. Let's not neglect to meet together. We are here every Sunday at 11 o'clock. And like I said earlier, starting on February 5th, we'll be here at 9 and 11. And on February 5th, we are going to be downtown at the Ike Box at 6 30. Our downtown service right now meets once a month at the Ike Box. Uh, we want to launch that weekly, but we need more bodies. We need more people that want to be one. If you need to be stirred, come to that service. God is moving downtown in a different way than he's moving here, it's not better but it's good. God wants us to spread the faith downtown. That's why we're there. The worship's great. We pray a lot. We do a very short message, um, and it's good fellowship time. 6.30, Ikebox, February 5th. Be there. Lastly, before you leave, uh, I want you to encourage somebody. We are all struggling with something. We're struggling with work. We're struggling with family. We're struggling with a hidden sin of some sort. Pray for each other. We're going to have some of our leaders up here at the front during these last couple songs, um, and they're willing to pray with you. They want to encourage you. Some of you might feel called to pray for the person next to you. We want to encourage that. That's how we encourage each other. But when you do it, don't uh, speak fire and brimstone on them, <laughs> right? Encourage them about things you might not even know in their life. We can all be encouraging. Jesus calls the body, uh, calls the church to be His body and to be His bride, because He's crazy about us. He's crazy about you. He died for you, so that all your sins would be forgiven. And so that you can begin a true relationship with God. That's why we're here every Sunday. That's why we're here to cooperate in worship. Like Moses who led the entire congregation, six million Israelites in a song, speaking of the good things that God had done for them, speaking of how God saved them from certain death. Jesus did that for us. And we are here to sing his praises. I'm going to pray, and then uh, we actually are going to sing two songs instead of our normal one song after this, but get prayer if you need prayer. God, Father, I ask that you would help us stir each other to good works. I ask that you would meet us here. We long to live in the house of the Lord, to be in your presence, and I pray that you would touch the hearts of those who need a better connection to the body of Christ. I pray that you would make a way for us to get connected better in this Ecclesia. And we want you to add to our number daily. We want you to use us to break down the gates of hell. In your name, amen.